You're listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And we've got Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and signing us up for the Australian Defence Force Cadet Program because we're going to war. We're at war. We're going to war war. against the virus, apparently. (laughs) Ah, Can't wait to storm the trenches. (laughs) I I think if it's against a virus, then we're not. That's just metaphorically at war. Gladys has been fairly clear that we're literally at war. (laughs) So we're at war with whichever nation state the virus is, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're not fighting the virus. We're fighting the virus's army. Uh, Yeah, because Gladys is a, a, you know, leader of a a large chunk of of an important nation. And her words have meaning. And so when she says we are at what Oxford defines as a state of armed conflict between different groups, um, obviously she means it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We will fight them on the land. We'll fight them on the sea. The virus is not airborne. (laughs) (laughs) We can't prove that. Um, Yeah, no, Gladys Berejiklian recently came out and just said, New South Wales is literally at war, causing much consternation amongst Dan Andrews and Anastasia Palisade, presumably, because at this point, all we've been doing is locking down the borders and having the ADF on the streets of New South Wales and having ADF planes and helicopters patrol the borders. Mm. And actually, we might actually literally be at war, but we might not know about it. Like, I, we, we are two weeks away from, like, I reckon, you know, like, we hit a thousand cases in New South Wales and for some reason there'll be tanks in fucking Newtown. Oh, yeah. Just like, <laughs> we, we just have to enforce it. We just think this is the sensible next step. It's a $1 million fine if you step foot outside your house and there's an Abram tank pointing a fucking barrel at some of the pubs in the area. Fuck you. This is such a fucking... Her full quote is, this is literally a war and we know that it's been a war for some time, but n- never to this extent. The Delta strain is diabolical. <laughs> Even when you throw everything at it, cases are still emerging. Oh, did you pay people to stay at home? We threw everything at <laughs> We tried nothing and roll out of ideas. Was, <laughs> yeah, she's the fucking, she's Flanders beatnik parents. Like, well, what you could do is pay people to stay home as we saw that that worked last year. No, 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 no. What no, I think no. we might do is have troops on the ground. And also what I might do is give the police more powers than they asked for. And I'll just say, that smilingly i'll just be stoked on that idea the, the new south wales police that love strip searching minors and and kicking people to the ground when they're handcuffed they can have more powers than that which is absurd because those powers are also the power to do illegal things and not face consequences the thing that gets me is this this constant characterization of the virus is like oh it's tricky it's this one it's diabolical like it's a <laughs> It's a, it's a virus, mate. It's not even alive. <laughs> yeah. You know, asterisk. Like, the, the, the idea, like, you know, imagine if we had a comet heading towards Earth, you know, the, the, whatchamacallit, Armageddon scenario, the, the, you know, organizing the drillers to go up to whatever, right? <laughs> and the, 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 the president of the United States is also being like, and we've got to keep in mind that the comet is evil. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just a problem. It's like when I've got a bucket full of sand, but the bucket also has a lot of holes in it. And I'm like, oh, this sand, it's so sneaky. Oh, it keeps getting through the holes in my bucket. It's like, no, that's just, that's what sand will predictably do. It's because you've got a shit bucket. Um, if you had a good bucket, this wouldn't happen. So Gladys is there. She hasn't made vaccines easy to get. She hasn't made testing easy to get. Um, she hasn't made it easy to stay home and isolate. She's like, oh, this wily virus. It keeps getting through the huge cracks in our plan yeah. because we're forcing poor people to go out there and we're not giving them vaccines easily. Well, don't know what you wanted. I know what you wanted. You wanted an excuse to be at war, not just a class war, but a shooting war. 
A literal war. She's got the huge bucket of sand and she keeps holding it up and the ADF keeps shooting holes into it. She's like, why isn't this working? Shoot harder. <laughs> I also just like, the term diabolical is also just so like, I don't know, politicians being out of touch is definitely a well-worn trope. But whenever like the virus is diabolical and I just keep thinking of them with these moustaches that they're twirling as they go into the bloodstream. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. Like, we saw this with um Dan Andrews as well, like the way politicians everywhere talk about the virus and lockdowns and the payments and everything in terms other than literal. Like they will say that we're at war and they'll say that the virus is diabolical as opposed to just saying this is like a health emergency and we need people to be careful and we need to support them properly. Like, just just be straight up. Please just be straight fucking up. Just say that it's a difficult problem. There have been some questions about the origin of the virus, Mitch, but I think at this point in 2021, we all know that it's a demon from hell and the only way to fight a demon from hell is to empower police to attack and kill civilians. <laughs> yeah, also, also the idea that, like, yeah, the, we're literally at war and getting cops and police on the street. Like, we're going to just turn our ADF into Doom Guy and he's just going to go out there and start <laughs> smashing the virus and people infected with it. What are you talking we about? have given the police more steroids than they've <laughs> asked for even, yet we still keep getting cases. We don't understand it. Our police officers have so many steroids now that we've just got police officers riding other police officers into these protests. Testers. It's an incredible scene. We've given them bigger and bigger genetically modified horses every fucking day. They're the size of a house. The police have a mountain of methamphetamine. There's no restrictions on them using it. And still vulnerable workers continue to contract the virus in their workplace. I don't understand it. The virus is too smart. The virus is too evil. It can't be defeated. Have we tried giving the police uh, masks and vaccines? Well, no, we're not a police state. Well, obviously, we're literally a police state, but we're not that kind of police state. Let's talk Fuck about up. climate change, though. <laughs> Which is even more evil. <laughs> so, cli- <laughs> This dastardly climate change coming over the hills. And <laughs> the monks at the IPCC monastery have finished their communing with the divine powers and they've come down and they've said, the Dark Lord climate change really does have it out for us. This yeah. is we are getting worse every week. Is this the segue we're using? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Lock it in. Lock it in like 1.5 degrees of warming, am I right? Climate change is a wily bastard. As you know, it will resist all conventional weaponry, but um, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum has come running in, brandishing a, a sheaf of papers. He's found its weakness. It's, it's, it's weak to selenium. Um, <laughs> oh. But no. no uh, a deep cut. This is, what, this is what people expect um, to hear from, from, you know, the they're like, scientists, what's the new thing? You've got to say about climate change, the scientist is just haggard. He's like, this is the sixth IPCC report. We knew this shit since the 80s. Climate change is bad. It's come for us. It's bad. <laughs> what more do you want me to say? Well, let's, 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 let's back up a little bit, Lang. What is this IPCC report and what is the go with it? So, basically, um, this is the sixth IPCC report. And, and this is a three-part report. We've only got part one, which is the... Here's the physical science. Like, here's what's actually going on with the atmosphere and stuff. And like I said, it is 
basically what we already know, but more specific, more um, underlined more times with red pen, basically. Like, bad, but then they've <laughs> underlined bad and they've done little arrows to it. So, like, every every time we have one of these reports... Partly, they've got more scientific data to draw on, and partly also, it's five years later, so we know more about what's happening. We managed to <laughs> narrow down the field of possibilities um, and understand more, like, exactly how cute are the animals that are dying right now. It's also five years more climate inaction that- Exactly. <laughs> the, the, the problem's also five years worse. They've, they've had another five years of politicians being like, we'll listen to you this time. Tell us the report and we will definitely act on it. And scientists are like, yeah, okay, I'm starting to think that might not happen. Well, here's an interesting thing I have been sort of um, hearing quite a bit about. Um, mm. There were some really good interviews on the podcast Deconstructed, actually, where, like you said, there's three parts to this IPCC report that comes out. And the first one is like the physical sciences and the data and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But then this gets all the attention now. And then it's this mm -hmm. whole big thing of like, oh, shit, it's worse than we think. And here's, here's the mm -hmm. issues, blah, blah, blah. And then that gets attention and then dies down. And then the second report that comes mm -hmm. out is the sociological one, which is like, how do we fix it? What are the drivers? What are the levers yeah, we can pull yeah. and all that sort of stuff? But by that point, and this is what the politicians have done every other IPCC report, by that time, there's no political pressure. There's no outrageous reports. It's just, like, oh, it's that thing again. Yeah, we already know about that. We don't have to listen to the reports coming later that suggest, oh, the problem is entirely political well, and where to blame. Mm, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that. I think uh, I, well, that's I don't. Someone writing the report said on the deconstructed podcast. So. Yeah, <laughs> look, I, and 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 yeah, there are a lot of arguments on on a couple of sides on like, is this breaking it up into chunks the best thing to do or not the best thing to do? How do we get attention? I, and and yeah, look, there's probably merits to be said for like, you could get more attention if you did it in different ways. Keeping in mind, this report is a fucking difficult thing to make, and they're doing it for an audience that specifically does not want to hear it. Yeah. Um, because if there is a, was a way to frame climate change in a way that politicians and fossil fuel companies would give a shit about, we would have fixed the problem by now. Like, we're, we're, it's not that we're not asking them nicely enough or we're not proving our points enough. We've got fucking my entire lifetime of very convincing PowerPoints that these people have already <laughs> seen and have ignored. They've got those impressive fades on them as well and the colour coding's yeah. just right. They're amazing. Also, none of these fucking politicians are reading this report. That's the thing. They're yeah. getting a summary of a summary given to them that says, hey, this is really bad and we need to act on it like ASAP. And they're like, yeah, we know. We're still not going to because that's what the last report said last year. Like the, the International Energy Agency said uh, like a couple of months ago, no new fossil fuels, no new coal. If we want to have a chance of doing anything, no new fossil fuels. And everyone went, oh, that seems pretty, pretty hard line. Anyway, back to the fossil fuels. <laughs> so, yeah. so like this report is, it's good to have. Um, and it, I think the main thing that it will bolster is not politicians. Um, it's, it needs to get everybody else fired up. And ideally it gets the media a little bit fired up, though also the media are fucking shit. But it, it, it gets a lot more people a lot more worried and pushing pressure on those people who actually have power. And, and I think we'll go into that a bit later. But yeah, to summarize, like, um, anything that, that you haven't already learned from, from being vaguely climate aware, which I'm assuming you are if you're listening to this podcast, basically they're saying 
we're definitely going to hit 1.5 degrees in 2030. Like that is pretty much locked in. Um, if we put the brakes on fossil fuels, though, if, if we do these things like getting to net zero, you know, within the next couple of decades, we can stop it getting much worse from that. Um, and, and you might see headlines like, oh, you know, oh, it's locked in. Oh, it's unstoppable. Oh, we can't fix it now. That's fucked. Like, no, we can always stop it getting worse. We've yeah, got the- a certain amount locked in, but we can stop it getting worse. I fucking hated that. Like, even the you know, the Guardian had some really atrocious reporting, just being like the the picture was of a guy with his hands on his head looking at a bushfire, and the, all the words used in oh, the yeah. headline were like, you know, uh, disastrous Armageddon apocalypse locked in, no way back, unstoppable. Yeah. It's like no, not only is it, and there is a chance that the, the report does say that there's a very small chance we could overshoot and actually break, claw back from one point five degrees in a very very mild way in the future, blah blah blah, but like. The, the idea that, like, 1.5 degrees is pretty much locked in. Okay, cool. Mm. This idea that what's well, unstoppable. No, it fucking isn't. We could get to six degrees in the worst case scenarios. Yeah. How about we <laughs> stop it at 1.6 instead? That's not That's- unstoppable. We can definitely do that. If 1.6 is locked in. All right, cool. Let's stop it from getting to 1.7 yeah. because every single point of a degree or 0.0001 of a degree is worse than the other one. Every yeah. ton of carbon we don't put into the atmosphere is better than the ones yeah. that we do. With this- it's not unstoppable at all. There's a there's a there's a line that I I, I hear banded around sometimes, which is there's no non-radical futures. Mm. Like mm. you know, if we if we act sufficiently on climate, that requires a radical change. Mm. And if we don't act sufficiently on climate, we <laughs> there's going to be a radical change anyway. Yeah. And it's sort of like that radical change is unstoppable. There is nothing we can do about society changing radically. Yeah. That yeah. is the part that is locked in. The thing that we have a choice to sort of act upon is what society looks like following or during that radical change. And that is something we can start building anytime. And the, just the choices of what we do over the next few decades are just like, what are we going to build the radically different society to look like? And, and if you say like, oh, that's unstoppable. What's unstoppable about deciding how we build something? That's, that's the only question. Like yeah. that we have to build something, that's unstoppable. But what it looks like, is up to us. Yeah. yeah, it's like say you've got bloody gangrene in your toes, and the doctor's like, "Look, we gotta we gotta lose those toes." And you're like, "Whoa, doc, that's pretty radical." Um, can't we? <laughs> are, are you telling me there's nothing we can do? This this gangrene, you know, we can't take this back. The doctor's like, "No, we can't stop the we the gangrene is is unstoppable. You can't save those toes." And you're like, "Well, fuck, I guess we're done. Better give up." No, no, you can do something now. <laughs> If you wait, you're going to lose your knee. Okay. But at that point, you can still act and you can stop losing the top of your leg. Like, there's always more that you can lose to gangrene. But at some point, you're going to have to fucking change some shit. Maybe that's grim because it's, you know, you're losing your leg to gangrene. (laughs) The situation's grim. Yeah. You either make a radical choice or the situation gets worse by itself. But it would be as if gangrene was also as fucking uh, (laughs) transmittable as Ebola as well. It's like, oh, but I don't want to. I, I would rather just lose my entire life from the toes up before I do it. Like, okay, but what about the fucking rest of us? Sorry, we have to chop your. Fu- we have to chop <laughs> one toe off. You can't. Like Twiggy Forest being like, mm, no, I'm pretty sure I'd rather just lose my knees. Fuck you. No. It sounds like you're underestimating how clever gangrene is. <laughs> gangrene is dastardly and diabolical. <laughs> gangrene in its hot air balloon twisting its moustache at us. I've got your knee. <laughs> We're starting to mix up our overlapping crises, guys. We already ah. did the pandemic. We need to go to war against climate change. We do need to fucking go to war against climate change. <laughs> Imagine if it was a war. 
Imagine if we were like, Scott Morrison, we need $20 billion worth of climate change fixing submarines. He'd be like, I already wrote the check. <laughs> well, uh, Scott Morrison's just like, I am unambiguously not on the same side as you in this war. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I already but gave I mean, the submarines to the oil there companies. There is no way. <laughs> Look, we're going really far further afield here. But like the idea that we need to go to war against climate change in terms of nationalizing the industries like we did in World mm. War Two, 100%. In terms yeah. of the fact that eco-socialism and eco-fascism will be things that are driven by the nationalisation of different sectors of the industry, 100%. The idea that if climate change gets so bad that they will start employing the military against climate refugees and people of like, their <laughs> own citizens all across the world, yeah, 100%. We are kind of on war footing when it comes to climate change. The only difference is like the we can't shoot bullets at fires to help them or floods. <laughs> we can fucking try. <laughs> Smash cut to a few years later. Oh, we will. <laughs> America is so wild, they 100% will. Shoot the koalas, they're carrying the fire <laughs> no, so this report has come out and politicians um in australia obviously have never come across an independent report they couldn't ignore and they have got hard at work <laughs> ignoring this one i don't even i don't even want to get into like the lnp politicians because fuck them nothing they say is worth reporting on it's the same oh yeah whatever or oh we've already fixed it like angus taylor's out there saying ah we're bloody smashing our targets what targets angus ah we don't have targets um but whatever they are we're smashing them the lnp has still not committed to net zero by ever or anything um by 2050 but he said he said Oh yeah, we'd like to get to net zero, you know, by 2050, like preferably, which means that's not a commitment. I think we're, we're it's, you know, there's there's a gravitational pull towards talking about what they're saying. Yeah, we should. Like, yeah, fuck we shouldn't be spending time. This is like whenever we get somebody, we society, not we, the podcast. Mm. We've never had an LNP minister on, and we never will. <laughs> but whenever we fucking put Angus Taylor up to talk about like climate action sort of thing, it's like that is World War Two being like, and now in the press conference, let's hear what Joseph Goebbels has to say <laughs> about that. It's like they, these are the chief propagandists for climate. Yeah. Like, death. Like, why would we ever listen to them? And and that is the thing. Don't listen to these people. Look at what they're doing. Um, Angus Taylor has been working really hard to make sure that the money from ARENA, which is the Renewable Energy Fund, can be used for fossil fuels. He's getting pushed back on that super hard, but fuck, he's trying. This is a little, a little fiddly. He's also put together a thing called the Physical Retailer Reliability Obligation, which I only learned about recently and seems pretty obscure. But this is going to be a thing where electricity retailers, so like your power company, has to pay power generators just for the time where they're available to generate. Not for the actual electricity, um, but also for the time that they're available to generate. Now, you tell me. What kind of power generator is available to generate, but not actively generating? It's fossil fuels. It's yeah. fossil fuels. Yeah. Because a, a, a right. solar panel is either running or it's not. And a wind turbine is running or it's not. But a, a gas generator or a coal generator is always able to be turned on. And so that this is a way that you can just give money straight to these fuckers. It's the it's the idea that the the retailers are paying like the big the big mm. uh, power stations just for like oh thanks for thanks for being able to come on at a moment's notice here's some cash we didn't use it but mm. we are paying you to maintain the ability to be able to run at any time pretty cool and and yeah. this like coal and gas generators are losing money because they cannot compete with cheap renewables because renewables don't need fuel <laughs> and so that's cheap. 
rather than fucking digging a whole coal mine, even with the subsidies that we are giving them hand over fist. Again, here's another bit of evidence. In the last five years, Australia has increased fossil subsidies by 48% from an already high level. That is mad. And that is the most in the world by a long shot. That is madness. That is Mm -hmm. fucking madness. That is, uh, it has to be fucking purely ideological, whether that is ideologically committed to fossil fuels or to the apocalypse or Mm -hmm. to killing poor people, whatever it is, that doesn't make any fucking sense beyond irrationalities like ideology. That's fucking insane. Scott Morrison has talked directly to the oil and gas lobby and said, quote, the oil and gas sector is a major contributor to Australia's prosperity, always has, always will be. We're the- backing you in to stay oh. on top as one of the world's leading exporters of LNG. Did, did he really deploy always was, always will be to always the fossil was. fuel industry? Always will Just be fossil fuel Fucking yeah. hell. That's... That's like fucking Canavan and his fucking Coal Life Matters or whatever it is as well. Just oh, like, Black that's like a deliberate, stu- <laughs> a deliberate snub. But also the fucking fossil fuel industry is just like on their knees begging Morrison to please allow them to transition to fucking green energy and to get out of fossil fuel. Not as quick as they need to, but please let us die. If we have a financial incentive to die, we can keep making money with green tech. And he's like, no. Gas. <laughs> it depends which part of the fossil fuel industry you're talking about there. But yeah, certainly a lot of Australian like energy companies that could go either way. Yeah. Like Origin, the CEO tried to move away from fossil fuels and was basically replaced um, ang- thanks to Angus Taylor again. Um, and, and now they're entirely non-renewables and they're losing money. Also, the idea that they know that they're like... They've been curtailed by the government. Like, this CEO gets in, tries to go to green tech. He gets fucking rolled. The political pressure is way too much. And so the next guy that gets in is just, like, up there mumbling, like, yeah, we really like fossil fuels and we promise not to get in the way of the government. Like, because the next guy that gets in doesn't want to have that type of shit fight with Angus Taylor again. That's, again, insane. I just, but just remember as well, Angus Taylor isn't a fucking, like, a, a, a commercial entity. He's a real-life person. He exists. Mm. Just keep that in mind. Same with fucking uh. Scott Morrison, Matt Canavan, and the rest of them. That maybe they're, they're, claims there, Mitch. They might be cold-blooded, but they are still real-life people that you can bump into in the street and let them know what you fucking think. And all of these things have taken place in the shadow of multiple IPCC reports, multiple huge record-breaking bushfires, many, many climate deaths and destruction. Like, there is no limit to the stuff that these people will just ignore their way right through and actively push to perpetuate and accelerate. Well, here's one thing I want to get into as well, because the thing we're going to keep coming back to this episode is how the fucking solutions are political. Solutions yes. are political. The, the, the problems in the way are politicians. The, the, the solutions are political. Yeah. The one thing that keeps getting me is um, Deputy Prime Minister and... Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of the most salacious but not defamatory thing I could call him. Man about town. <laughs> Weird guy. The, the Deputy Prime Minister and big cunt Barnaby Joyce <laughs> continues to run the line. He keeps running these lines everywhere in the media going... Oh, I've read bits and pieces of the IPCC report. I bloody have. But I'll tell you what. Okay. One, who's going to come up with a plan to transition? You can't You can't just say you're going to transition. Someone has to come up with the plan. And secondly, who's going to pay for it? Where's this money going to come from? Barnaby Joyce, I will remind you, is the deputy prime minister in a government. And what governments do is come up with plans after the experts tell them that there's fucking problems. They also collect taxes and print money to pay for 
for the plans! Barnaby Joyce! Barnaby Joyce, you're telling me there's some magical money printer. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> uh, Mr. Joyce. Oh, yeah, but it's... it's Ah, oh, it's annoying. It's noisy. It's also the cheap option. Like, the, the, <laughs> nobody has to pay for it yeah. because acting on climate is the thing that preserves society. Who's going to pay for not acting on it, Barnaby? Oh, what's that? Sorry, he's very drunk. Uh, (laughs) But that's that's a bit of a laugh, McLean. That's not worth running like a week worth of scandals on someone because he's not Indigenous and he's not a woman. So don't worry about it. He just just got (laughs) drunk and stood up at work, at his fucking work, and was red-faced and fucking bellowing about some bullshit. I don't think he was drunk at work. I think that's a bit of a ridiculous thing to say. He's just a weird guy that gets red and slurs his words a lot. (laughs) His brain's just not much good. Yeah. It's frankly outrageous <laughs> to claim that that even resembles just massive drunkenness. <laughs> I've seen a lot of drunk people, Mitch. Bushfires. <laughs> and he too. doesn't look like any drunk people. I was about to say, I've seen a lot of drunk people, Mitch. That's just an unrelated point. Anyway. <laughs> Bushfires tearing through prime agricultural land. Barnaby Joyce like, well, who's going to pay for that? <laughs> That's your job. Figure it out. <laughs> Fucking hell. And yet again, like the Labour Party, uh, not much Do better. Do the line, Mitch. Either. Do the line. <sighs> luckily, <sighs> luckily, we've got a strong opposition party, right? <laughs> I specifically didn't do it this time because it's so overdone. But Megan Scanlon, Queensland Environment Minister, fuck you. And whoever, whoever's this fucking state minister, anyone. The, nah, look. The Labour Party, federally and at the state levels, are also, like, peak shit at this. Mm -hmm. They are just (laughs) as bad, and at the state level they have power, but what they try to do is, like, cloak what they're doing in terms of accelerating climate change in terms of, like... Really, like, really quietly trying to push through, like, new gas drilling and new logging and stuff, while they'll also do something that's, like, socially positive that has an effect on some people in a different sector around the same time. But for some reason, in the national imagination, we just have this idea that because they're not the Liberal Party, they're somehow by default better. And this is something that a friend of the pod, James, keeps um, reiterating to me, which blows my mind all the time, is that on paper... And, you know, I think their intentions are still evil. But on paper, the liberal <laughs> New South Wales party are better at reversing climate change and acting on climate change than the Queensland government and the Victorian government. Mostly because, mostly because, th- th- this, is my, this is my fucking tinfoil hat idea, but the liberal party federally are beholden to the big gas giants. The liberal party in New South Wales are only beholden to making money. And so they can see where the internationally where the money is going. It's going to green tech. So they're happy to transfer their their selves away from fossil fuels into green tech and other things because that's the way the economic wind is blowing. But the Labor Party, especially in Queensland, Victoria, and WA, are still beholden to this line of well, we've got to look after workers, and mm. by that we mean we've just got to keep workers in the same jobs that they had fifty years ago, and we can't do anything <laughs> else. Which means then we have to equivocate on a Dani. We have to continue to. Over- open up gas drilling and exploration and things like that because mining's still going to be a job in 50 years and we like workers. It's because they accept huge amounts of donations from the fossil fuel industry. Oh, there's also that, yeah. They're fully aware that that is what keeps them in power. Like if the sort of Jed Kearneys of the world actually did get traction within the sort of change it from within, you know, 
uh, plan sort of thing of like, oh, obviously the Labour's terrible on climate, but there's some people who are good on climate in the Labour Party who are hoping to change it from within. As soon as they get any traction, right, the Labour Party just splits uh, all of the fossil fuel money goes with the bad on climate ones. They get into power, and all of the pro climate action laborites, you know, don't get the, the the seat that they were trying to get. So they're yeah. they're all fully aware that as soon as labor stops being shit on climate, it goes out of power. So they're like, well, we've got to accept well, fossil fuel money and uh, continue to support fossil fuels because if we don't continue to support fossil fuels, who's going to lead the fight against fossil fuels? And it's, <laughs> it's impossible to underestimate the amount of press releases that a fossil fuel industry can put out and the amount of media power they have. Um, and I think Labor's terrified of that as well. But, I mean, mm-hmm. even even beyond that, I've, I can hear Evie, like, just echoing across <laughs> the neighbourhoods wanting to bring up Kevin Rudd again for some reason. But, like, <laughs> we know how bad it was when Kevin Rudd tried running a campaign of, hey, can you pay a bit more in tax? And the mining industry in this country just went, absolutely fucking not. And that was a big reason why he got rolled by the bad part of the Labor Party, which sounds like an oxymoron, but apparently there are different parts of the Labor Party. But, like, that was just trying to get them to pay a little bit more tax on major profits that they make. Can you imagine what's going to happen in the next five or so years when either the Liberal Party or the Labor Party go, look, climate change is a hot-button political issue. It's quite clearly affecting most people in the country and they want action. Hey, like, mining companies, fossil fuel companies... Could you start to ramp down production to end by 2050? They'll fuck it. They will nuke cities. They, they, will, they will put their own private military on the streets of Sydney. Here's the thing. I honestly can't imagine either of those political parties actually doing that. I can't imagine Labor or the Liberals saying, nah. let's shut down these coal mines. I think what we're going to see is we're going to see the actual fossil fuel industry do it themselves. Um, with They'll like- try, and then the Liberal Party will nationalise it and buy those things from out from under them and try to turn them back on again. Maybe, maybe. And, and at that point, yeah, at that point, people start burning things down, um, hopefully. Uh, I suppose a good spin on that, uh, though, is uh, burning things down will be more and more easy as time goes on. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. The <sighs> bloody Parliament House is a tinderbox right now. <laughs> politically, politically. <laughs> politically. <laughs> also physically. <laughs> Go burn down Parliament. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, literally go burn down Parliament. Um, We mean that in the same way that Gladys Berejiklian means it's literally a war, uh, which means you can take it either way. (laughs) Which we mean in the sense of we know nobody takes us seriously, so we just say whatever. (laughs) Yeah. To get back to, I think, Mitch, you mentioned Megan Scanlon really quickly and moved on. She's the Queensland Environment Minister. Um, Every state has an environment minister. Generally, they're also the minister for, like, music and puppies or whatever. They've just chucked all the jobs (laughs) they don't care about at at one intern. Um, So each environment minister had to post a little tweet saying climate change is serious because the IPCC said said so. They have to. Brand managers coming in is like, you really got to tweet about this report. It's going to look super bad if you don't. I'm convinced that environment that state environment ministers exist just so that the state premiers don't have to tweet about it. Fuck They're yeah. like a 100%. sacrificial lamb. They tweet about this. Everyone gets angry at them on Twitter and then they get fired a little while later because this <laughs> isn't the same Queensland environment minister we had a few years ago. She said, oh, yeah, the science is very clear. The greatest risk, the Great Barrier Reef, are climate change and water quality. We're calling on the Morrison government to match the Palaszczuk government's investment in renewable energy, water quality, and land restoration. This is Megan Scanlon, 
Queensland Environment Minister. Queensland Labor, um, of course, being the party which is like doing big posters, thumbs up Adani, shaking hands with Adani, we're building more mines to help your future. <laughs> Please vote for us. We love jobs. Please match the Palaszczuk government's investment in right? renewable energy, water quality, land restoration, and huge coal mines. Yeah. <laughs> emphasis on the last one there. Should we, should we match that? Do you want another huge coal mine? Um, WA Minister for Environment, Climate Action and Commerce, uh, Amber Jane Sanderson, uh, has approved a, another pipeline for Woodside Offshore Gas Field. She doesn't have a Twitter account, but I'm sure she would have said something hypocritical if she did. <laughs> <laughs> Lily D'Ambrosio, Victorian Minister for Energy, Environment and Climate Change, said, It's very clear to those in the world who are listening, we need to act on climate change quickly and decisively, blah, 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 blah. Victoria, of course, uh, is open season for offshore and onshore gas drilling at the moment because their moratorium expired and they didn't bother to unexpire it. So a lot of words, um, but those words actually don't do anything to change uh, what's happening with the climate. Just like real huge energy of like Justin Trudeau at the front of a march being like, boy, I hope someone brings in marriage equality soon. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck, dude? That's you. That is Joe just Biden. your job. Or Joe Biden tweeting about hope. Like, oh, yeah. I really hope everyone with those evictions coming up has somewhere to go. I'm so- <laughs> Pardon, what the fuck? So Lily D'Ambrosio's full quote there also says, I call on the Commonwealth to set real and ambitious interim targets. This is not a time for ideologies or denial. The time to act was yesterday. What happened yesterday in the Australian Labor Party? Oh, fuck. Was it the Albo that Albo pledged to rebuild the Collide Sea coal generator? <laughs> <laughs> the one that exploded and could be replaced by anything. Wind power, a park, a new theme, like a roller coaster, sh- something, <laughs> anything else. Nah, let's do that again. I hate to tell you, he did do that a couple of weeks ago. Well, I mean, figuratively okay, yesterday. That's, that's Lang, that. we're at war. Yeah. Yeah. Also, time doesn't break. matter. We're still in lockdown. Yeah, also, we're at war, Lang. <laughs> I'm going to use that at work if, like, if I'm running late. Sorry, I had to get through the mortifier of both coronavirus and climate change. Oh, um, well, yeah, this is Albo. Like, there is a, a picture on his Facebook of him staying in front of this coal power thing, being like, we're going to rebuild this more coal than ever. Um, and he's fucking also posting today's IPCC report confirms what we already know. We cannot wait to tackle climate change. The cost of inaction is already mounting. Yeah, it's mounting in Queensland where you just promised to rebuild a coal power station that exploded. Oh my God. Well, you see, Lang, when the coal power station exploded, obviously that meant we're burning less fossil fuels, but by accident. So we got to make up for the accident and then shut it down properly. And I bet it didn't even occur to him. I bet he didn't even go, should we rebuild this with literally anything else? Mm, That'll be annoying to explain to the press. Fuck it. My kids can deal with this. (laughs) But here's the other thing is that, oh, Lang, he's not in power. So he can't actually do it. He can't. Oh, what I meant to say, if it ever comes out that it's like, oh, that was actually really bad. He's like, oh, well, you know, we weren't in power at the time. I couldn't actually, I didn't really want to do it. And if he gets into power, then he can also go, oh, we've got to change our plans or we've got to do like. What he did there was specifically a photo op encouraging <laughs> fossil fuel use. It wasn't even a proper, like, obviously the state governments can do shit, but what the fuck is Anthony Albanese doing there except for going, hey, federally, you can count on us to fuck this up in, like, four years' time if we ever get in. Don't worry about <laughs> now. We will not commit to climate action for, like, a decade if we get in. Thumbs up, guys. Keep voting for us. 
Yeah. Oh, that's the thing, though. As soon as they get it, like, they're going to continually commit to climate action, you know, every two days. <laughs> they're just going to recommit and commit and commit and commit. It's, they're very good at it. I can't wait for the white paper to be released digitally only because we're thinking about the environment. And the white paper oh. says that by 2060, we'll reduce emissions <laughs> by 30%. Please don't print this white paper. <laughs> Uh, but also, please do print the white paper because we have a, a big contract with Reflex to uh, log all of our native uh, forests to to just uh, give them a lot of, of money and uh, wood. So uh, do print it. Jobs, jobs, jobs. For business purposes, not for environment purposes. For environment purposes, don't print it. But for economy purposes, do absolutely print it. Those are separate. This is like... You're, you're reminding me all of these like state environment ministers have, have so much cognitive dissonance <clears throat> because... All of these, like, um, whenever they approve a new gas field or something, there's always a, a little press release where they go, oh, but, you know, they're doing stuff to make sure its environmental impacts aren't too much. Obviously, we're not counting the environmental impacts from the gas that will be burned from it. Um, but they just kind of delete that part of their brain so they can go, oh, it's the cleanest gas field in Australia. But that's, that's, that's like the prettiest hairless cat. That's not good. It's hey. still, it's still I mean, just... Don't, don't bring cats hey. into this. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. The cleanest yeah, gas beautiful. field. No, they Shut are. Shut up. <laughs> The, 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 the cognitive dissonance reminds me of there's a, there was a tweet going around uh, uh, the other day um, in response to the IPCC report, obviously, um, talking about how, uh, the, the, what's the quote? We're all to blame for the climate crisis. Some of us drive to work, some of us forget to recycle, and some of us own fossil fuel companies whose relentless exploitation of the world's oil, gas, and coal reserves can be directly linked to more than one third of all greenhouse. And this oil investor responded to this tweet. I owned an oil company and was a seed investor in another. I drive a hybrid. My household is 100% solar and we hit carbon neutral three years ago. People are complicated. And the the amount of cognitive dissonance Mm. in like that, that's such a perfect example of how like people can just be like, yeah, I mean, obviously I own an oil company, but I recycle and these things cancel out. Like this guy clearly thinks that these things do cancel out. He was offended. He was offended that they would lump him in with bad people or that even (laughs) bad people exist. Hashtag not all fossil fuel CEOs. He's like, I'm just doing my job, man. Like, at home, I I care about the environment as much as anyone. And then when I'm doing my job, that doesn't count because I'm just doing my job. And we all understand from Nuremberg that that's a good excuse. (laughs) I I have to destroy large swaths of the environment and our future to afford this Prius. So <laughs> it's not even a fu- it's not even a fucking electric car, you gronk. It's a fucking hybrid. You're still using some <laughs> fossil fuels. That hybrids were good fucking 15 years ago, you shithead. Get an electric car. Even on that merit, you fucking failed. You idiot. Here's the thing. It's like it it makes me suspect that maybe because that is blatant. Like he doesn't realize how dumb he yeah. sounds. Maybe this is like the thing where where sociopaths are more likely to do well at business. Because they've got something interesting about their brain that means they can't empathise with the people they're ripping off as well as others. <laughs> maybe maybe fossil fuel executives and politicians have that thing uh, where, like, the two halves of their brain are separate and one <laughs> half can, can care about the future and the other half can care about making money, but the two halves never communicate. Something like that. I reckon they've got that thing where it, like, it, they need to sun themselves to heat their blood up. <laughs> and, and when they're spending too much time in parliament the blood temperature goes down they stop you know functioning properly they squirt blood from their eyes i i really think it's a thing of like 
th- that excuse of like, oh, you know, you got to put food on the table though. Like w- when when you know you're like talking about people who you know like maybe a coal miner who, who who you know who actually is working class and who who does you know oh, have yeah. that choice between I, I I do need to provide for my family and eat and pay bills and, and people being like. Well, that scales up infinitely. Yeah. You know, you can be, you know, a a multi-multi-millionaire and you can just keep on doing your job and that's totally fine uh, because, you know, you've got to put food on the table. It's like, no, mate, you have food on the table forever. You you have hundreds of millions of dollars. You're not worried about food on the table. It's not an excuse for you anymore. But because we've just got it in the sort of like cultural, you know, idea that putting food on the table is sort of an excuse to do literally anything... Uh, you're you're allowed. Fuck! It's that guy. It's that same guy who did the fucking horrible song, the lawyer. I gotta find that song. That song's fucked. The 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 the, the, the article there. What is it? Um, it's quite a cynical track about rich and powerful men behaving badly <laughs> and then hiring expensive spin doctors. I ran a large law firm working for clients. You don't always get to choose what you do. And I think in many ways, whether it's PR people or lawyers or publicists, they spend a lot of time spinning. Like this this guy <sighs> who's running a large <laughs> law firm saying you don't always get to choose what you do. I just well, fell yeah. into it. Just yeah. retire. You can just stop. <laughs> yeah. You absolutely can choose, you fucking dipshit. Yeah. You run the firm. Who's your boss? <laughs> and like, this is- there are rules within law that say you ha- like uh, around which clients you can choose uh, like you 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 are limited in picking and choosing which clients you take but you can just stop yeah. at any point and if you're like fuck i end up defending a lot of really horrible people and all i have is a massive investment property portfolio <laughs> like, yeah you, you're done you can stop today you'll be fine yeah there is a choice i think when we're talking about like climate action and and environmental impact is that really important distinction that you highlight between the things you do and the things you choose to do. Like, no one, you can't be mad at Billy Elliot's dad for working in a coal mine. He didn't fucking have any options. No one's mad at him because of that. They're mad at him because he doesn't support his son. But he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I get this reference. He didn't have options about working in a coal mine because it was the only thing he could work at. But you do have options when you're the CEO of Adani. Yeah. You can yeah. do anything else, but you've chosen to make a coal mine. So that makes you bad. No, no life one- just takes some weird twists and turns. And then you all of a sudden you find yourself seeding a startup coal mine and buying a <laughs> hybrid. You know, it's crazy the way what life works out. I'm just on I'm just on autopilot. Can't be helped. And that actually luckily for me, that means I can't be blamed. So if you mm. guys could lay off and just please don't recognize that taxing me to death would be good for the environment and then doing other things to me to death would be better morally for the world. Just forget about that. So there's all this stuff that like we're aware of. The climate's fucked. The situation's bad. Um, all these people are bad. And th- but there's, there's often a lot of... A lot of the problems are in how we've been taught to think about it. And that that is one of the big ones, like... It's, mm. it's not about, you're not at fault for the things you do. Like, if you live in fucking, I don't know, Bacchus Marsh and you drive a car to work, don't feel guilty if you have to do that because you don't have a better transport system. Like, the things that you have to do, we all live in a fossil fuel economy. Everything I buy at the supermarket fucking has plastic on it. It's really hard to not buy any plastic. So, try not to feel guilty about those things. It's... What I'm trying to get at here is individual carbon footprints are a lie, and the problem is 
the bloody companies pushing this stuff at us and the politicians not letting us have better options. And and more more to that point, the individual carbon footprint thing was invented by BP. If if you weren't already aware, you can look that up. That's BP so came up with the concept fucked. of a carbon footprint to share the blame. That's so cynical. That's also really interesting because, like Craig Tomler, the oil investor the, from the from the tweet earlier, mm. like seems to have taken that medicine himself. Mm-hmm. Like th- this is the thing that lie has been around for so long that was promoted and pushed by the oil industry that it seems like people in the oil industry themselves, even higher ups in the oil industry, mm. are like, yeah, it's about personal carbon footprint. Like. The, 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 I, th- I think a thing that we will have to gr- grapple with over the next, you know, b- b- future is the fact that some of the worst villains in this story are genuinely convinced that they're good people yeah. and mm. really have swallowed the, their own lines about that sort of individual responsibility split. Yeah. I mean, I'll give the oil industry this. They are the fucking best propaganda outfit the world has ever seen. They've been so effective at this that it's infiltrated our collective consciousness and environmentalists spend their whole life pushing this. Fixing climate change is all about turning off your light bulbs or buying a bamboo toothbrush. Let's not talk about politics. Let's just talk about what we can do. No, that's the worst thing you can do. Because then you're letting the people who are actually bad get away with it. Yeah, the people who are actually bad are talking about politics. Yeah, they are the politicians. The less time we spend talking about politics, the more time they get to influence politics without any pushback. That's That's the game. And like you mentioned uh, up near the start, Mitch, like climate change is not about science or technology. Like it's entirely about power and politics now. We've had the science and tech locked in for decades. That's 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 the thing that fucks me up. The team of scientists that invented solar panels are all dead from old age. Mm. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Is that said with like a wink, or like are they actually just dead from old age? Because no, they're all dead from old age. <laughs> the the people who invented solar panels are dead because they turned ninety and died. And this well, this is another thing where friggin' Scott Morrison keeps saying, "Oh, we're going to fix it with technology, not taxes." Um. Go ahead. We already have the technology to literally invest in any of it. You keep bloody vetoing wind and solar and biomass shit. Yeah, that's one that's one to call out specifically. That is a again, it's it's all fucking politics. That is a political tactic to make mm. sure they never have to do anything about climate change because whenever a like non-existent technology gets invented, it is automatically old technology and we still just have to wait for the new technology that'll save us. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I also think it is a it's a canny political move because whenever they want to, they can just say, "Oh, here's the new tech" and then they can push it. If yeah. at any point they financially just have to fucking pull the trigger on going green and reducing emissions and whatnot, then they can still use that line and be like, oh, here it is. We looked under the mattress and we've got all this new green tech. Fantastic. They won't fund wind and solar because they're established and don't need the help, apparently. <sighs> but yeah, that the idea as well of you know, being being careful, uh, be careful when you hear people say we are all in this and we yeah. are to blame for this. There are people, there are specific companies and people who are to blame. Like Exxon Mobile and its CEO Darren Woods. Darren Woods exists, and he is a person. Rio Tinto and its CEO probably Jakob Stossholm um, or Jacob Stossholm. I'm not sure. I don't care. Fuck off to the <laughs> woods and live in a cabin forever. You fuck. 
Like, yeah. if there's any Jacob Jacobs who are listening who are like, learn how to say my name right, we'll learn how to say your name. Yeah, right, your name, one hundred percent. If you're the CEO repeat. of Rio Tinto, you're lucky you just don't get the like the traditional spit on the ground whenever your name is said. Like, this, so there are these companies that are to blame. There was a you know the report out in um, years ago, I think 2017, was like you know 100 companies are responsible for 71 percent of global emissions, and. A lot of the companies on there, obviously your your Rio Tintos, your Aramcos, your ExxonMobil, they are all allowed to continue to push carbon dioxide into the air and keep mining fossil fuels because of politicians and because of the politics of the matter. But the other big part of it is that so many of the companies on that list are fucking nationalized as well. Like the China National Petroleum Corp or the National Iranian Oil Co. Like, and there's all the places like through Canada as well and through, I think it's uh, not Poland, Norway, that has their, like the national reserve of all of their oil money going in and bolstering education and health and stuff. Like this is a political problem that all of the different politicians have to be pressured on all at once. Mm. to go through with it. This is absolutely not about bamboo toothbrushes. It's also so wild that, like, there are some countries who are like, oh, gosh, you know, it's difficult to, you know, shut off our fossil fuel tap because if we do, there goes our whole welfare and education system or whatever because that's what's funding it. And in Australia, we're just like, (laughs) oh. (laughs) We don't even have that excuse. No. We just like it. (laughs) We're not... We're not keeping that money. <laughs> we can't shut off the fossil fuel because three rich people would be sad. <laughs> um, but to, to come back and, and push that thing you said uh, about we, this is something that I'm a real pedant about. Um, it's really insidious. And try to notice when, when you're doing it or when people do it. And it's often really like greeny types say, oh, humans have been burning too many fossil fuels. We knew about climate change in the 80s and we didn't act on it. We keep starting new coal mines. No, we fucking don't. I don't. I've never started a coal Some mine. Some small companies do, yeah. Some, a few I people- I started a little one a little while ago. <laughs> yeah, but you, you did turn that off after, you know, seed investment failed to come through. So that was good of you. I dug a hole in the backyard, all right? <laughs> and you, it's interesting the things that we attribute we to, like, oh, we're destroying the environment, but we don't say we've invented a new iPhone. You know, we made five billion dollars <laughs> yeah. from Amazon shares last year. <laughs> yeah, we're Chinese. Fuck. Like, yeah, on average, on average, a lot of humans are Chinese. But but you can't just say we because some humans are that. You yeah. attribute specifically. You say Apple employees invented a new iPhone. You say coal mining companies are destroying the environment. You say Chinese people are Chinese. But yeah. you can't fucking say we just because it applies to a human. I don't say we won the Olympics. Oh, maybe I would if it was Australia. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but no, but that, is, that is the thing of like, we won the Olympics is something that the Olympics is all about. It's the national pride and we get behind our athletes because the delineation mm. is country versus country. And what the fossil fuel companies have done is gone, hey guys, big group hug. We're all in this together. And it's like, yeah. please don't fucking hug me. You're killing us. It's like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> We're killing us. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to hit a specific one is whenever you hear people say, in Australia specifically, the fucking Alan Jones and the Andrew Bolts and all those decrepit fucks that need to waddle off this mortal coil, is they say, Australia's only responsible for 1.3% of global Ugh. emissions. So even if we Ugh. do nothing, or even if we do everything and we get rid of it all, then there's still going to be all these emissions in the air, blah, 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 blah. The bullshit part of that is, one, that's immoral. Do your fucking bit. That's just fucked. I, well, I at least want to go down swinging trying to prevent climate change. But 
that list that I mentioned, the the, uh, the 100 companies responsible for 71% of global emissions. Number five on the list is ExxonMobil at only 1.9% of global emissions. From the 13th company down to the 100th, they are all under 1.3%. So this idea that we only contribute 1.3% of global emissions, even if you take that at face value, means we are contributing a fucking lot of emissions that we could stop because we sell our fucking coal overseas and we export so much of the emissions. Which brings me to the second point on this take about Australia, Mm -hmm. is that you shouldn't take at face value the idea that we're only responsible for 1.3% of global emissions because we don't count the coal from our own land that other countries burn. And that is fucking insane. That's the big one. Um, Two-thirds of Australia's actual greenhouse impact is exports. So, if What you do you think the they're in- going to do with it? If you turned off the entire Australian economy and agriculture and everything that happened in the country, except for just the coal mines exporting the coal, uh, you'd only cut about one-third of our actual impact. So, we're more like 5% of global greenhouse stuff when you count all the coal we dig up. And you get that hilarious thing where Scott Morrison, after this IPCC report came out, was like, well, there's no point us doing anything. It's fucking China. It's the other countries. All of them have a bigger impact. It's like, oh, you know how you could help China lower their lower their fossil fuel burning? Stop selling them the fossil fuels they burn. <laughs> it's fucked. Oh, but they're they're the ones who are burning it, though. The, the thing is that the, the people are desperate to sort of assign responsibility for who is responsible for, like, reducing their emissions and that sort of thing that is, like... We're at such a crisis point. Like, the crisis point was in the fucking 90s, and now we're just so far past that that it's like, oh, if you're spending a lot of time deciding who's responsible for doing what instead of just being like, everyone's responsible for doing as much as they fucking can because every bit of carbon emissions that we can reduce is valuable in preserving future human society. They're like, oh, not not me though, not today. We gotta we gotta wait until this guy turns his coal generator off. Like, we gotta turn them all off. Mm. So what's the fucking problem? You're down at the police station with two suspects from a murder. One of them shot someone, the other one sold him the gun. They're arguing, oh, I don't know, we, we can only arrest one. Is it the guy who shot him? Is it the guy who sold him the gun? He's like, well, it wasn't me. He just sold me the gun. Well, it wasn't me. He shot the gun. <laughs> Fucking arrest both of them. They're both bad. <laughs> You'd never have that problem. Yeah. Not that cops are the answer. But they are at this level. Actually, no. <laughs> fucking, we need we need climate cops, but then they're, they're not cops. They're like uh, 16-year-olds with too much power. That's what I want. <laughs> That would also fix the NBN, so I'm for yes. that. <laughs> I believe that children are the future. Put them in charge of the country. I believe children yeah. are the future. <laughs> the horrifying dystopian future where children run the world. Actions. They're broad. And I'm not going to tell you to turn <laughs> off your light bulbs because they're probably energy saving and you've heard that for the last 30 years of your life. Um, we're not climate scientists. We get all our information from other people who are smarter, who get their information from other people who are smarter. And we'll put some links in the notes, but my favorites are the newsletter Heated, which is just fucking good. It, it's angry. It's a bit sweary. It covers all the shit that you love Ooh, to hear. Fuck yeah. Um, the podcast Drilled, um, which does similar stuff like looking at the, like, the politics and the companies and all the dumb bullshit that's happening with climate um, from a good point of view. 
if you want some some like slightly factier, nerdier, numberier stuff, Keaton Joshi, I cannot recommend enough on Twitter or he does a lot of yeah, writing. He's very good. He's where I get most of my like stats and things. Um, there's so many, so many good resources out there that aren't on Sky News. I've also um, just started reading this book, Warmth, Coming of oh, Age at the End of Our World by Daniel that. Sherrill. And it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm only early days in, but I'm already happy to recommend it. It's not so much like factsy stuff. It's about how to sort of cope with climate mm. grief and still be an activist at the same time. Mm. And it's, you know, it's, it's a, so far it's a book that uh, it's difficult to sort of like not cry the whole time. It's, it's very sort of emotive, but it's very, very good. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a lot out of it at the moment. So shout out to that. That's an important point. I don't want to tangent too much, but climate is feelingsy. Don't feel bad for feeling bad. You should feel bad. Yeah. Like, like feeling sad or angry or scared means that something is wrong and means that, and, and there is something wrong. Don't bottle it up. Talk to your friends about it um, and, and use it to do stuff. Um, what else can we do? One of the really easy things you can do, and I, I'm not even counting this as like big climate action. This is just like a little individual thing. But it's <laughs> it's a myth, like yeah. Well, this thing, there are some small individual things you can do. Like it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. You don't want to be part of the problem. So friggin' get off any bank or super company or shares that are investing in oil companies. That's very easy. Just don't have that on your conscience. This is something you can change. So market forces yeah. is a good place to look at that. Yeah, the idea that there are still like even just financially, if your bank is still investing in fossil fuels, get out of the bank that is trying to ruin your financial future because that's, that's all I care about even. with climate change. <laughs> yeah, your financial future. Whenever, whenever I see get those out of the reports, bank that's murdering you, we didn't even get to the worst bit of this report that specifically mentioned the Australasian area that said that like there will be eight hundred and eighty thousand less like or more unemployed people due to climate change, and Australian GDP is going to be down like six billion dollars. That's terrifying. I'm oh, assuming. Fucking. That's the worst. Worst climate news I've heard this week, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, another big one is uh, we bang on about it quite a bit, but join your union. And I'm saying that specifically in this instance, and I'll get into the political stuff as well, but the unions are there to look after workers. And when it becomes super fucking obvious that we have to do things around politicians and despite them, essentially, the unions are the ones that will potentially have the power to do that. So we were talking before about how we export all of our fucking coal and fossil fuels to places like China, and then we, you know, it gets burnt there, and that's part of the problem with reducing emissions, and we're not reducing those ones. You know who can stop those exports going out? Workers. Even though mines still require fewer and fewer workers every year because so much of it's automated, you can at least get the union button pusher to stop push pushing the buttons on that. You can get the workers to stop driving the boats. I don't know if you drive a boat, but to, to stop <laughs> exporting the stuff overseas. The unions and the workers will be the ones to push back against this shit before the politicians do. So I think it's super important to join your union and to start mm. volunteering as best you can, giving the union your time and your energy. Because and your opinions. If, and your opinions, 100%. Because we are going to need a just transition when we talk about that sort of shit. When we talk about, like we, we were saying before as well, the CEOs can choose to stop at any time, but the workers can't. Some workers, a lot of workers in these industries, are fucking trapped in these industries. And so, of course, they're scared about them going away. But if you have strong union power going, sorry, we're transitioning now because we'll die if we don't, and you will make sure that we have jobs to go to, that's extremely fucking powerful. And I definitely think that there is a good 
good chance that that will come to fruition in the next 10, 15 years. So I think you should get on the ground floor of that. Same way- There's a real thing about, um, whatchamacallit, like individual action is a myth, but the sort of, the, the, the future is grim and, and action generally is absolutely necessary. And the, the sort of the way forward is not like, oh, you switch out your light bul- bulbs. It's to look at how you can leverage your actions mm-hmm. so that they have more impact on the world than just one person doing one thing. And, and working together is the only way that that happens. Yeah. And unions are the sort of- textbook way of working together individual action isn't a thing but collective action is and collective action requires a whole bunch of individuals working oh, together yeah. <laughs> collective action i forgot there was a word for it yeah there's a great quote on that by bill mckibben who's an absolute climate action guru um who says yeah the the best thing you can do as an individual is don't be an individual be part of a group yeah. be part of a community like unions and things are probably the closest we have to democracy um and, <laughs> and the, yep. oh that's grim um <laughs> and and here's the thing about climate change is we will not fix it as individuals the only way we can fix these things is as strong communities and also the only way you can survive these things is as strong communities um, yep. this is, this is like humans, as much as we've been led to believe otherwise by the last, you know, century of capitalism are not individual agents. We do not survive by ourselves. And this gives me some comfort because billionaires in their climate bunkers will very swiftly realize that without a community, without a town, you're fucking dead. Mm. Doesn't matter how much canned food you have, you die alone or you live together. That's actually yeah. really beautiful. I'm really glad that you said that. I'd not thought about that before, but mm-hmm. the, it is a bit of like a sour feeling to know that like many of the world's sort of worst, richest fossil fuel executives, etc., will just sort of retire to a climate bunker. Mm-hmm. But knowing that their sort of ultimate fate will just be going insane in a little box is actually like, oh, that's that's nice. <laughs> yeah. No billionaire is bloody growing their own food and running their own town by themselves. No, sir. Another thing you can do is, uh, I mean, it sounds asinine, but it does work, is to call and write your local ministers, state ministers, federal ministers, senators, prime minister's office, um, adding, piling on political stuff like that. Mm does genuinely work. Obviously, we need you know the mass media to get behind certain things as well, but you can get that stuff working, especially at the lower levels. I think something that I've at least noticed through the, um, the pandemic and the lockdowns and whatnot is that the state governments have much more power than I've mm. ever really seen them wield. And what we've seen as well is that they are willing to fly in the face of the federal government if there's enough political pressure. So something yeah. that you can do is to start agitating against the Labour and the Liberal Party to get their fucking acts together. And you can also start volunteering for parties like even the Greens or you know Vic Socialists we have down here as well to just get momentum behind it. Again, you as an individual can do things that contribute to the collective to get the political pressures put on the right people at the right time. It is something that you can continue to do and it it, it will not be something that is won at the next election. It is constant and it has to just snowball over and over and over and something that I feel really good about is being a small part of the collective push of that snowball, trying to get it going and continuing to try to build it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. 
Yeah. I'll also point out that if you don't want to join the the, the Greens or like those sort of, uh, you know, Vic uh, Socialists or whatever as political parties, you can absolutely also join the Liberals and like <laughs> fuck them up. Yeah, just like, branch stack. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it. Like, we, need, we, need to, we need to do whatever. If you are listening to this and you are on over 400,000 a year and you have a huge portfolio and you're listening to us like that CEO with this sense of guilt, what you can do is start to yeah, use your money bad. In, uh, in underhanded ways and you can start... Start to influence the liberal parties in your area. Yeah, you got to imagine that all society is on the line. And, you know, what does fighting dirty look like to you? Yeah. What does cheating look like? Because those are absolutely on the table. Yeah, they've mm. been doing it to us since the fucking 80s. So, 100% it's on the table. Um, also, if you don't want to do the political parties, you can donate to or volunteer at a bunch of different green orgs. We've got a whole bunch in the show notes. Um, and if you volunteer for them and they ever want to start talking about how they're non-political or the solutions aren't political or whatnot, continue to volunteer for them because they are doing good but also try to push them towards the fact that the solution is 100% political but you've got things like you know Friends of the Earth Stop Adani Tomorrow Movement a whole bunch of others who are pushing in the right directions that you can give your time or your money to to, to help with that yeah I, know, I also I want mean, to point out that we're not political is itself a political statement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like, one, like, if they're saying it, they're being a hypocrite. That is political. But also, sometimes when people say they're not political, they're just saying it so that they can do a political thing without too much scrutiny. So it's not always, a, <laughs> you know, a, a death knell, but yeah. I just want to make that little point. I suppose when they're not do- when they say they're not doing political things, yeah. But if they're saying we don't want to engage in politics and it's our mission statement, huh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Literally, any any group that wants to like change the way the country is run, that is by definition yeah, political. It's kind of political. Yeah. <laughs> if you're saying less coal mines, that's political. It's very political. And and if you find yourself as you know in an organization that you don't agree with the way they're doing things, just leave them, join a different organization, or try to change them. Um, but there's there's lots of different options. Um, depending on how you want to get involved or what your personal bugbear is. The last one for me as well is uh, start a podcast. Um, it is <laughs> it is just it is just speak up and don't pull punches. That's yeah. the, the thing for me I keep coming back to is that like you can judge the situations that you're in socially or in group chats or whatever, but like you can push back against we're all responsible for climate change. We're all, you know, turn your lights off, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you, it'll be fine. Yeah. You you can and you know push back against not only it'll be fine and also the doomerism of it's unstoppable and we've locked it in now. Mm. The thing is, the odds are that people are on your side in this already. We've seen mm-hmm. polling for fucking decades. Whenever we see these things brought up at a so social level, most people want some sort of action against climate change. And one thing that we do know, and this is probably going to be coming out in the IPCC report, the second one that talks about how to actually fix it, that the politicians are definitely going to ignore, is that if you start very small, you start with your friends, family, local community, Mm. and things like that, then they can be pushed when you lead by example. One of the things anecdotally and also statistically seems to be playing out with the vaccine rollout at the moment is that when one or two people inside a friend group start to get the vaccine, plenty of other people get on board and they just start rolling with it and it starts snowballing out from there. And that is something that we can 100% do with this climate action that needs to take place. If you can be seen leading by example, if you just donate some of your time to a charity or a political party or doing some small things that you can contribute 
to, it's very likely that other people are going to see that and go, oh, I could do that as well. I could get involved in this. This seems easy. This seems good. This seems like some change that I can affect, some change that I can make. And even with all of the doom and gloom inside this fucking new report and all the shit we've been talking about and how fucking terrible the political parties are, I genuinely still have this fucking feeling that, like, Hmm. we can do this. We can fucking Hmm. do this. We Humanity has a history of coming together and guillotining rich people. And so I just feel like (laughs) we have this fucking golden opportunity right now. And I think we've got it. I genuinely think there is still a good chance that we can band together and fix this fucking mess and get rid of the detritus and the terrible people in the way of it and come out the other side better. I'm genuinely fucking hopeful. The whole thing is just... um is just about getting that awareness of oh the problem is a few shitty politicians. It's not the 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 big passive force of nature that we've been told. It's shitty politicians that all we have to do is roll them. Um and and I think getting that awareness across because that's not the common awareness. That is something that like you said Mitch can be done in your friendship groups and I think also in your workplace. Yeah. If you feel secure one. enough in your workplace to speak up a little, often work like Companies and things want to not rock, not rock the boat. They just want, oh, yeah, to provide the right public-facing thing. And if you say, what's our, what's our climate policy? Like, what's our policy on sustainable transport, sustainable energy, uh, the m- messaging we're putting out about climate? You might find people go, oh, oh I hadn't really thought of that. Uh, I didn't think we needed one. You can go, like, well, fucking, I think we do. Look at this IPCC report. <laughs> Any company that's not treating this like an emergency is actively doing the wrong thing. What if we did something? You will find that everyone in your organization, unless, you know, you're very unlucky and-, and yeah, Unless you're in a Ramco. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, often, and depending on your organization, people will be like, yeah, actually, maybe we should do that. All right. And you can get some balls rolling. You'll at least get that awareness. Um, say, oh, go listen to Not Good Enough. Um, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> Is this our transition? May- maybe we should play this over the radio in Woolies. Oh, um, go, go rate and review <laughs> Not Good Enough. Go go <laughs> share them to five of your friends. That'd be pretty Actions good. Actions this week if you have access to the PA at Woolies. <laughs> <laughs> Put on some midnight oil. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good good enough uh we love hearing from you if you want to get in touch with us fucking do so on all the socials at not good pod but actually more importantly and better is you could uh rate and review and share us uh if you if you like us you'll get in touch if you love us you will do the things that help us that's my that's my (laughs) takeaway so leave us a review wherever you listen to the pod and are able to review share it to some people like lang said it's your climate duty to bring us up whenever people (laughs) are Talking about things that you can do and actions you can take. <laughs> you can share. Not good enough. Reporting from the burning edge of the climate crisis. Oh, boy. <laughs> Not good enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.